Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of The Right Type. Today I'm going to be talking with Adiba and I'm going to let her introduce herself and her book. Um, but you have a really cool episode today. So Adiba, can you just introduce yourself to everyone? Hi, I'm Adiba Jagardar, um, and I have a book coming out uh, May 12th um, called The Hannah Wars. It's about two teen girls with rival Hannah businesses who fall in love and it's coming from Page Street. Before we get started, I'm going to introduce what the episode's about. Um, so we thought it would be funny to basically talk about TV shows that get publishing wrong um, and kind of debunk a lot of myths and talk about what they get wrong and maybe some aspects they get right as well. Um, so yeah, I've got a few TV shows plus um, a bonus one and we're going to just get started. So uh, Adiba, do you want to go first? Um, okay. Uh, so, I thought I would start with Friends from College. Um, you've watched that, right? I have. Uh, could you just tell everybody what it's about? Yeah, so basically, it's about these... Um, how many friends are there? Five friends? I hated the show. Six I just friends? didn't even... I didn't care about any of them. <laughs> no, neither did I. But it's like five or six friends. Something I'm not like sure. that. Yeah, something like that. And they were friends in college. Um, but now they're all adults, they're not in college anymore. Um, and basically, they have kind of gone their separate ways, and they all kind of come together back in New York. They're all living in New York now. Um, and it's just uh, kind of about their lives, but their lives are very tangled because they're all, like, sleeping with each other. Um, like, two of them are married, but they're having affairs with, like, their friends from college, so it's very, very messy. Um, so, like... The publishing part of it is that one of the friends is a writer and one of the friends is an agent. So um, the agent represents the writer friend. And so there's like a lot of publishing stuff. He's actually, the writer is, he's published. He writes like adult literary fiction, I think. Um, And in the first season, his agent kind of tells him that he needs to, or he should start writing YA because YA is like the future and YA is really marketable. It's how he's going to make money because there's no money in literary fiction, which I guess is technically correct. There isn't a lot of money in literary fiction. Um, But like, I hate all of the YA stuff in Friends from College just because it's so, it's so like condescending and it gets YA like so completely wrong. Um, like it's just completely outdated all of their references are to like twilight and the hunger games um a little bit to harry potter but not really it's mostly focused on like vampires and werewolves um he even like the agent gets him to write a book about monsters because that's what teen girls like um which is like if you follow the ya market currently or even for the last couple of years paranormal is not really something that's selling much anymore like there's very few vampire and werewolf novels that are selling now maybe it'll come back soon in the future but right now no there's no like you're you're not selling books like that anymore um i thought that i thought it was so awful when i was watching it i was like this is really really offensive to YA writers it was kind of like i remember when they're making the book cover the guy started crying because um (laughs) they made it like they gave the monster abs because they were like you have to appeal to teenage girls and i was like this is awful and um they're actually like ya was just like this joke 
that can't be serious and it was just really really awful and like i don't know how the show has a second season i'd even finish season one so i don't understand yeah i remember there, there was like a there was an episode where all of the friends were like they're having dinner and um ethan he's a writer he was basically trying to tell his friends that actually YA is really great and his friends were like why are you saying this like you're a serious writer you write literary fiction like YA sucks and I was just there like you've like you've never read you've clearly not read any YA and you don't understand YA at all um yeah it was really offensive do you remember his wife writer. his wife was like <laughs> she started getting so emotional she was like so you're abandoning your career for this <laughs> and I was like what the hell is going on <laughs> um also like i feel like the whole like even the agents who work i was so confused because he was an agent but they had like the whole book cover and everything before they even went on sub i was like are you an agent or do you work in a publishing house what's happening it was so bad and i couldn't tell if it was supposed to be um like satire because it was bad satire when you have to question if something is satire then it's not good like you or wow. you already automatically know when something is sat- like satire but this was just awful and so incorrect i just i was in shock <laughs> <laughs> um in the second season you say you didn't watch it yeah um, i didn't was this in the second season did you watch the part where they're like brainstorming ideas and they like get high and stuff while doing it oh my god yeah that was in the first season <laughs> That was awful. Okay, that was that was so bad. Can you imagine like going to your agent's house at like in the middle of the night and just like brainstorming ideas with them because you have a deadline which is less than you've been given the deadline um in the morning and you have to turn it in the next day. I mean, publishing deadlines can be awful, but um it's not it's not that bad. And also it's just it was so funny i remember like they all got high on so many drugs and then um they're just throwing random like like buzzwords and stuff and like this is gonna be a bestseller oh my god and um it was so awful yeah they had like two sides to the board it was like monsters and something else i can't remember i don't want to remember um yeah it was just really bad and also the um, the person who was starting the imprint she was played by um kate mckinnon um, I don't know if you remember her, but she kept saying that YA is all about the bathtub moments. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> basically, that it was just for, like, it was basically just for, like, horny teenage girls. I'm just, like, <laughs> I remember when she was, she was, like, talking about that, and I was like, what the hell is going on? Because I've read YA since I was young, and, like, yeah, I was reading it because I wanted to um, read a fun story. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Especially when you, like, I feel like people have had this perception of YA because of because of books like Twilight. And obviously, like, books like that exist. Like, there's Sarah J. Maas. You know, like, YA is, is not a genre. It's an age category. So there's, like, all different kinds of books in YA. So there's definitely books in YA that are for horny teenage girls, but that's not all YA is. Yeah, and I mean, just hating on teenage girls in general is really annoying. Like, the the whole thing in Friends with College was just, like, crapping all over teenage girls and their, and their like, obsessions and, like, what they like to read and consume. It was just really awful. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, 
to be honest, like, the second season was not great when it came to all of that as, as well. Um, in the second season, they actually went to a publishing house, right? Um, I can't remember what the publishing house was. Did I write it down? Um, I think it was, like, HarperCollins. Um, so, basically, Ethan and Max sold his, or his, his series to HarperCollins, and the series was about centaurs. So that's what they settled on. Um, and the first book had already been published, and I guess it was doing okay. And basically, Ethan and Max went into, like, a meeting with the editor, and they were talking about the second book, and the agent was doing most of the talking. He was just, like, pitching the ideas, and I think Ethan had, like, no input, which, again, was just, like, what the hell, you know? Max gets really annoyed because he's like, I keep coming up with all of your ideas for your novels, um, but I don't get a credit. I don't get a writing credit, you know? So he asks Ethan for a writing credit. And I was like, first of all, it's really weird that you are an agent and you're coming up with all the ideas. And second of all, it's weird that you're asking your client for a writing credit just for, like, doing your job as an agent, basically. Um, And then um, Max decides that he's going to uh, quit his job as an agent and he's actually going to write with Ethan. Oh my god. He's not not a very good writer but it's really funny because they go in to another meeting with HarperCollins and um, Ethan is basically like I don't feel this book anymore I don't want to write this why is it really my thing Um, and I just like you know this is what you want to do Max this is your book and he wants to like quit like writing the book and, you know, they're, like, mid-contract, mid-series, and all of this stuff is happening. Like, he's added another writer. Now he's going to quit writing. And I was just there, like, this would this would never, ever happen. Like, can you imagine being mid-series, mid-contract, and I come to you and I'm like, so, Frida, do you want to, like, co-write my book with me? Like, it's happened before, um, like, with Cassandra Clare but she's huge yeah like so in her book series which is like 30 books at this point um her recent book so she has like book series from different perspectives as well of like events that happen in like the core series so one recently came out it's called the red scrolls of magic i think it's called and it's about magnus bain who's like an asian character and she co-wrote it with like an asian author um and also all her books that are kind of like um build up of like short stories are co-written with her friends sarah reese brennan and someone else um i think her name's maureen something but i think that can only happen when you're successful and you're making the publisher millions um yeah i feel like when you're a really big author like the rules don't apply to you exactly um but also this guy's a man of color sorry ethan is a man of color yeah he is a man of color it just wouldn't it wouldn't happen and max has never written before i just have no words like can you imagine like harper collins not even like just harper collins you know like that's a big five publisher and they're just like oh yeah we'll just drop the main author who we've been working on for the series and take on this other guy who has never written before he's not an established author i don't know how this was allowed to happen <laughs> oh and then actually it was really funny um, when Max quits his job as an agent. He like goes in and he's like, um, 
that he says that he is going to quit. He doesn't even give a notice, which is like, it's not even publishing related. It's just like how you quit a job. You have to give a two weeks notice. <laughs> he just goes in. And he's like, I'm quitting. And then all the other agents are just like, I want this author and I want this author and I want this author. And I was just there like, so you guys are just going to take the authors. You're not even going to ask them like, do you want me to represent you? I was speechless um, watching that series. I actually, um, you know, Lila Lee, she was watching it and just reacting lifetime. Um, and I was like, what is this? And she was like, oh, it's friends from college. So I decided to, for some reason, watch it. And I was like, why did I do this to myself? Like I saw through her Instagram stories that it was trash and I still watched it. That's how you know I'm not an intelligent person. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I'm going to talk about a show called Girlfriends. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. And it basically follows these four black women in a city and they have like big jobs, like they're really successful and you kind of see all their lives and um, how they're kind of dealing with like stuff. And it's just like, my it was my favorite childhood show because like I just saw like this representation that you never see. And um, the publishing thing in it is that one of the characters, Maya, who is like, I think, okay, she's arguably one of the least successful out of the group. She only works as an assistant to like her friends. Um, so she's kind of like their assistant. So she doesn't make that much money. She's a single mother. Um, so like she's seen as the least successful out of them. Actually, arguably there's another one that's least successful, but, um, anyway, that's not important. She basically randomly writes a book <laughs> and, um, her cousin's like, I'm going to represent you. Her cousin's not a literary agent. He's a hairdresser. And, um, <laughs> basically, um, he gets her like a book deal for 25,000 pounds and or $25,000. Um, and basically she's like, oh my God, I'm so successful and rich and like, oh my gosh. And she just- That is really good for a hairdresser. Yeah, I mean, he did well somehow, but like what is making me laugh as well is that after she, he gets her that, she drops him and doesn't give him any commission. And, um, like, later on, like, he gets so angry and he tells all her friends on her because all her friends are lawyers and they're like, you can't do that legally. And, um, she's like, whatever. So then she gives him, like, 10%, um, which is lower than what most agents take anyway. Um, but he said, I wasn't, I wasn't upset that you didn't, like, give me my commission. I was upset because you didn't, like name a character after me you didn't um <laughs> put me in your dedication or your acknowledgements and i'm like okay that was rude <laughs> um, that, was, that was pretty rude you should put you should put your agent to your acknowledgements and she also Not dropped him for a, she also dropped him for a real agent and so he was like it was just so disrespectful <laughs> i mean i feel like it's fair to not want your hairdresser as your literary agent and your cousin and your cousin, yeah, that's that's not a good business business match. But um, basically, she gets her agent, but she kind of hires an agent, as in like, you know how you hire like I don't know someone by paying them money. Yeah, she kind of like, like hires hire, an like, agent. A or something. Exactly, and that's not how agenting work works. If you want to know how agenting works, watch some of the episodes from season one, um, of my podcast. But basically, um. The agent gets her a three book deal. 
Um, one thing I should mention is that with the 25,000, her, her son is like, oh my God, I'm rich. And she's like, I may be 25,000 more richer, but like, I'm still your mum or something. And I'm like, you shouldn't have like that money up front if that was what you got, because I'm going to break it down. I actually did the maths. So basically, if she got 25,000 in like a traditional publishing kind of thing, um, that 25,000 would be like split into three. And you get the payment when you've signed the contract. You get like one third when you sign the contract. You get another third um, when you deliver the final form of that edited manuscript. And then the last one when your book comes out. And so that's 8,300 approximately. And so that's not counting the 15% that your agent gets. And it also doesn't count taxes. So because this was America, I'm guessing that it will be around 30% taxes plus 15%. So it should be left with around under 5,000 um, for each third. And so I'm just confused as to why she thought like that she immediately had 25,000 in her account. So that was really inaccurate. Um, <laughs> and so actually what happens with the three book deal is that suddenly the publisher that gave it to her, like the next day, um, they go like, they go bankrupt or something and then the business closes. And so they're like, sorry, your book's not coming out anymore. And yeah. That's just really, I mean, sometimes publishers get bought by other publishers and that kind of can maybe your book get cancelled. But um, a lot of the time, either they'll like relocate you to another imprint or like they will like, they will look after you. It depends if you have a good agent as well. But um, And it very much depends on your contract. Yeah. Because like most contracts, like if the book is cancelled because of the publisher, you still have to get paid. So it's in their best interest to relocate you somewhere. So they're actually paying you for doing work. Exactly. Yeah. So that was just weird. But anyway, <laughs> that's the end of the girlfriend saga. It's a really good show, but the publishing arc was just really messed up. I was like, what the hell's going on? Oh God, that sounds, that sounds very interesting. And did she say how much her three book deal was for? Um, I don't think so. I feel like it was kind of implied that it was more than the first book deal she got, which was 25,000. Okay. Cause like all her other friends are successful. So she kind of like for the first time ever in their friendship was like, I'm on your level. So I was like, Hmm. Cause all her other friends are making six figures a year. Um, as big okay. shot lawyers. So, um, she was like, I'm now on your level. I'm no longer the poor friend. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> wow. TV series really get publishing wrong. They do. So I, I want to talk about Younger, um, which I also don't think you've watched. I haven't watched that. Okay. Um, so I feel like I should start with a disclaimer because Younger, like I, I've enjoyed watching the show, but it's really, it's really racist. It's really transphobic. It's quite ableist. Um, and like, cause I was rewatching the some of the first season, um, and I was just. Like, I feel like I blocked out so much of this from my memory um, because the first season, I feel like, is especially bad. Um, but publishing is also very racist, transphobic, and ableist, so maybe it's okay. Um, so basically, Younger is about this girl called, or this woman called Liza, and she's, like, in her 40s. Um, she has a kid who's about to go to college, um, and she just got divorced, so she's trying to get back into the job market, 
but she's being told by these publishers that she is too old to be working, or she's too old for, like, an entry-level job, which is all that she's really qualified for because she hasn't worked in publishing, or she hasn't really worked all this time. So she pretends that she's actually in her 20s to get a job as an assistant in this... um, It's kind of a... It's not exactly a small press, but it's not a big five. So it's called Empirical Press. And she gets a job as the assistant to, like, the marketing director. Um, So Younger is, like, all about publishing. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on in it. Um, But, like, some of the really funny things in Younger is, like, the editors work so closely with their um, writers like, so closely, in fact, that they are sleeping together. Uh, <laughs> which is, I'm, I'm sure it happens, probably not as often as it happens in Younger, but, you know, not not very good, good practice for a business relationship. Um, even, like, I think the marketing director also sleeps with, like, the writer as well. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> there's just, yeah, there's a lot of, like, sleeping around um, in Younger. Um, and just the editor is very, very hands-on, you know, like, they're always, they're like, oh, they come into, like, meetings all the time to talk about the writing, um, they work so, so closely to work on, like, chapters of the book, um, editors usually don't do that. I feel like, what what do you mean, like, what happens in Nyong'o, in terms of the, Um, the, that type of development? There's just, like, so much, like, the... There's like, basically, there was this there was this part where the editor was like, I really need to see your chapters, and the writer is like, oh, like I don't have them, or they're not very good, and they meet up in a pub, or they they arrange to meet up in a pub so they can work on the chapter together. So it's like stuff like that instead of the editor just saying like, oh, this is the stuff that you should be working on or talking about it. It's more, it's very very hands on, you know. Oh wow. Um, and even there's stuff like outside of writing, like there's parts where um, one of the writers, he is a, he's going to win like a pen award, I think. And he, this is the editor that he's sleeping with, in fairness. Um, but like they go shopping together to buy like the clothes that he's going to wear at the prize giving ceremony. That's really funny because I feel like the perception of editors is interesting. Even before I got into publishing, I don't know if this happened with you. Um, but I was discussing this with Lizelle as well. Um, the fact that we thought that editors kind of write the book, like not write the book, but like edit the book for you. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they just kind of like here's the notes of what I think is wrong. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like people don't really understand what editors do until they get into publishing. Yeah, exactly. Um, even some people that actually um like i don't know get into publishing in terms of like working beside an editor they then realize uh-huh. like what the job is and they're like oh <laughs> that's yeah. a lot actually i remember what i wanted to say um to do with that it's funny because it's as if the editor hasn't got like 50 other clients you know um they haven't got time to like yeah. sit down and <laughs> do that yeah in younger it really seems like when the like, and there's only one editor like what <laughs> so like empirical press it's 
you would assume it's bigger than it is, but only like four characters from the publishing team is actually like presented to us. So there's one editor, there's a publisher, there's a marketing director, and then there's the marketing director's assistant, and that's it. Wow. So it's a very small team, and it seems like when the editor has a writer, that's the only writer that they're working with, you know? And oh, the other funny thing about Younger is that when they like acquire a book, it just seems like they're always all on like an accelerated schedule, and they're just like, so we acquired this book, and I'm going to need um, a cover by the end of this week. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I got my book deal in September-ish of 2018. And we're recording this December 2019 and I still don't have a cover. So like, if that gives you an idea of how um, covers work in publishing. Not in Younger. Actually, I think the funniest um, like story art in Younger for me was when they acquired this book. It's kind of like a memoir. And they acquired it from someone who, I don't think she had written many other books. Uh, or any other books. She was like, like a kind of um, internet celebrity or internet influencer, I guess. And they acquired her book, um, and without seeing any sample pages or sample chapters or anything, they acquired her book for like all of the money in their imprint, basically, because they they have another imprint within Empirical Press, which is called um, Millennial. So it's for millennial books. Um, so they acquired this book, and then they didn't get any chapters from the writer for a while and the editor was like freaking out she was like where are the chapters where are the chapters i haven't seen any sample chapters and sample pages and basically it turns out that the writer had never intended to write the book and she was just like blowing her advance and she had blown all her advance like buying all of this really really expensive stuff i was sitting there like so you didn't see any sample chapters but you still acquired this book first of all and second of all you paid her all the money up front all of it that just makes no sense (laughs) (laughs) and then oh and the worst part after all of this happened and like the editor was like freaking out of about like what she was gonna say to her publisher um she was basically like um what i'm gonna do is she comes up with this devious plan where she sells the book to another publisher for double the money that she bought it for. Yeah, like that. That's so, so I'm in shock. The publishing house sells a book to another publishing house. I just don't have any words. <laughs> yeah. That's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, younger it has it has so much stuff that I just look at I'm just like what like what is going on you would think because it's a it's a show about publishing they would do at least a little bit of research apparently not (laughs) apparently not i mean i think i feel like there's probably some stuff that they get right but overall for the effect of drama everything is or most things are very wrong i feel like publishing like the reality of it is quite dramatic as well people should like do some research and like do something accurate because it is quite dramatic, I think. So there, there's, there's a lot of drama at publishing, yeah. I mean, we see that on YA Twitter. So 
You do see it on my Twitter. I think I think the most dramatic thing that's happened, or one of the most dramatic things that's happened was, um, I don't know if you know this, but you know that writer who claimed she was being poisoned by her husband? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's... Uh, I don't have all the information right now, but she was basically like, she thought her husband was cheating on her um, and poisoning her by putting something like in her food, like poisoning her slowly over time. But she was the person who sued Cassandra Clare for plagiarism. Oh, wow. You know, I don't, like whenever those articles come out in publishing about like some scandal with like a, with a author, I don't read them because I'm dyslexic and the writing is awful. So I'm just always like, can, it, can you just break this down for me, Adi? But I have no idea what it says. Um, so I usually just get stressed and just don't click on the articles. And then I just see like everyone subtweeting and talking about it. And I'm like, I wish I could, but I can't. The writing on them is like really confusing. Um, like I, I remember the, what, the Dan Mallory one. That oh yeah. Was, it was so all over the place. It was very difficult to follow. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was jumping from point to point. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's anything else in Younger that was really ridiculous. Oh, yeah, so um, the main character, Liza, she is the assistant to the marketing director. Um, and basically, one day she decides she's going to read the slush pile um, from the editor's desk. And she starts reading, and she finds this book that she really likes. Um, and... Everybody's kind of like, oh, we don't like we don't really pick books from the slush pile. And the editor, who is like a friend of hers, basically says this book would really only do well if like Bored Housewives Book Club started picking it up. So Liza sends the book to like this Housewives Book Club that she used to be a part of, and they all read it. Um, and then she comes into work the next day. And people have sent in, like, notes and stuff saying, we want to read this book. And on Goodreads, they've all written, how can I read this book? I want to read this book. And then her publisher decides, oh, we need to call her. We need to make her an offer. We need to publish this book. I was, I was so confused. I was like, this is, like, the opposite of everything. I just I have so many questions. Like, how is it on Goodreads already? <laughs> I, I I mean, technically on Goodreads, you can just add a book, but I don't know who would add it. And just like the whole, I don't read slush thing. Do they mean they don't read unsolicited manuscripts? I think that's what they meant. Yeah. Okay. Um, for the purpose of like, um, just not being confused, uh, unsolicited manuscripts is basically manuscripts that are submitted without an agent. Uh, a lot of big publishers don't accept those. Yeah. Um, there's also, I think the only one agent shows up in the entire show. And the editor is just like, this is the best agent. He's also <laughs> the agent on the show. <laughs> wow. Oh, and when, sorry, I'm just like going back and forth now. But when that girl who was blowing her advance was blowing her advance, um, the editor called the agent was like, your client is blowing her advance and she's not getting me any pages. And the agent is like, what do you want me to do about it? It's interesting because you remember that article a few weeks ago? With the girl who like threw away like almost 500 mil, not 500 mil, sorry, yeah. 500k, like almost yeah. half a million um, on like <laughs> cocktails in New York and stuff. Um, yeah. And people, and she, throughout the article, she was like, my agent didn't tell me not to spend my money. 
Um, and a lot of agents were like, our job is not to tell you not to spend your money. Our job is to get you book deals and rights. Um, so it was just funny because, you know, I feel like a person of color wouldn't expect to just like be told things and just like be given and like be handheld basically. But I feel like I should have a finance episode because that'd be really funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's funny that she called her agent because like what's the agent gonna do the agent was right what do you want me to do <laughs> no but i think the funny thing about it was that she called her agent because she wasn't submitting any sample chapters but blowing all the advance right um because you know agents do are, are aware of when your deadlines are and when you need to submit stuff so I would imagine if I was really, really late on a deadline, my agent would be like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like what's going on? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But that agent was like, um, what do you want me to do? That's awful. And he's the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> wow. Also, in real life, there's not really best agents. There's, like, maybe agents that have a lot of sales. Um... And there's, like, different ones, but, like, it depends on the person. So there's not one top agent. There's, like, several agents that are doing very well, so. Yeah. And they would never act like that, I hope. <laughs> I would hope so. So the next TV show I'm going to talk about is You, which was, like, really popular. And Adiba hasn't watched it for some reason. But basically, <laughs> um, <laughs> You is about... I heard it was really, like, it's really creepy. It is. It's stock. It is, but it kind of, it's really interesting because it critiques like the nice guy, you know, it's like his whole persona is meant to be, I'm the nice guy, I'm going to look after you and stuff. And you're so like, you're so selfish for not seeing I'm perfect for you. It's really like, it shows how the nice guy is actually creepy. But yeah. See, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. That's interesting. I didn't like the way it ended and I will come to that because it has to do with the book deals. Um, but you is about basically a guy named Joe and he lives, he lives and works in New York. And we start with him basically describing a girl he sees in his bookstore. So he works in a bookstore and, um, you see the progression of their relationship and how he stalks her actively. And like, he seems like the perfect boyfriend because he's always stalking her. Um, and running into her by accident and stuff. It's really, really creepy. But basically, um, obviously there's gonna be spoilers in this uh, podcast episode, but um, the girl he's dating is named Guinevere Beck. Really, really weird name. Um, but everybody calls her Beck. And um, when Beck's best friend Peach is killed by her boyfriend, um, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know that he killed her, her friend. By the way, her friend is meant to kind of be like obsessed with her as well, but like in a different way. But anyway, um, so when her friend dies, she's really depressed and she writes an essay online and the essay goes viral. And by the way, um, she's like a writer already and it's, like her, it's her dream to be a writer and like be published. So she has a book deal because of her viral essay online. And the thing is, that's kind of realistic because I feel like if your essay, like if you write an essay on like a blog post or something, um, it can very well go viral and you can get a book deal from that. Like um, I'm pretty sure Renny Edo Lodge um, wrote a viral essay and that's what her book is based on her book um, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race so yeah that can happen but what made me laugh was kind of the things that happen around it like there's a scene where her editor's like this doesn't sound like you I'm worried <laughs> um, and where she can't write because about her, about her book yeah okay 
She doesn't sound like you anymore. <laughs> um, and she's just like, it's so weird. Like, um, her friends are like, you're rich now. Like, you're living in New York. You're like, you're going to be a big author. You need to unplug from the world and write this book. And I'm just like, what's going on? Um, and then actually, another spoiler, I guess. Um, Beck dies because her boyfriend kills her because, yeah, he's... You already said that. No, Peach dies. Oh, okay. So many people die. Yeah, he kills a lot of people. So basically, okay. Beck is his girlfriend, and he kills her best friend. And then he kills okay. her. So the essay she wrote was based on her best friend dying. By the way, her best friend was, like, a famous, like, socialite in, like, New York. Um, so it was kind of like if Kim Kardashian's best friend wrote an essay about her if she was killed. But basically, um, <laughs> uh, Beck dies because he kills her. And basically... He, before he kills her, he holds her hostage in, like, his basement. And during that time, he makes her write a book. <laughs> and so he kills okay. her and then publishes the book. And she becomes, like, an, an, like, a bestseller. And he's like, you'd be so proud of yourself, Beck, if you were here. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so creepy. I hated the ending. So I, I was like, why does she have to die? But she was annoying Wait, anyway. so he took her book and he published it under her name or under his own name? Under her name. Okay. Because it was about her life, and he basically, like... So, her therapist that she had, um, he makes him go down for the murder of both Peach and her, because mm-hmm. she was sleeping with her therapist. And he was angry about that, because she was cheating on him. Okay. So, he's like, okay, you're going down after I've killed her. So, yeah. And so, the book also contains stuff about, like, how the therapist was very creepy. So, basically, he acts like the therapist was what he was doing all along. Okay. But anyway, so, a lot of books published about, like, I don't know. I'm really bad with, like, keeping up with nonfiction. I mostly read Mm -hmm. memoirs about, like, about things that are very specific to me. Like, maybe memoirs about being, um, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not blanked. I, I like um, Roxanne Gay, for example. Um, I loved her memoir, Hunger. But I don't really read stuff about, like, exposés and stuff. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know much about that world, but, like, it was just very strange. But, yeah, that's you. She, like, wrote poetry, but then apparently she was qualified to write uh, a whole memoir. So, yeah, that's you. <laughs> I'm just confused about how he published the memoir in... Wait, so she did she have a deal for the, the memoir already? Like, she was going to publish it? Okay, so basically... And he made her write it? So basically, her circle of friends were, like, kind of rich socialite girls. So mm-hmm. he killed Peach, which was her best friend. Another one of her friends um, was, like, a body-positive racist girl. And um, <laughs> so basically, she was, like... Um, she... like You know, she's, she's, like, one of those girls that's kind of like, oh, my God, you have to love yourself. But she was really, like an acceptable like an acceptable form of fat you know what i mean like she's probably really yeah. like at most a size 12 um yeah. a uk size 12 um so she was really annoying in that way and there was a video of her that got released that she was racist like the character um and so basically in the story that girl because she's body positive and stuff she has like opportunities to write books about her, like her body and her relationship with her body. So she has a literary agent. So what happens is Joe, the main character, when he kills Beck, he sends the manuscript off to the friend anonymously, but says it's from Beck. 
And then she reads it and says, I know Beck would have wanted me to show my agent. So then her agent sees it and sells it for Beck. Yeah. And she's dead the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I hope I hope my agent notices if I randomly die. <laughs> I think he will, to be honest. I would hope he does. I feel like um, when he realizes you're not tweeting as, as much, he'll be like, "Okay, something's up." Yeah, I feel like he'd be worried if he saw like my Twitter had died. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh. So fresh off the boat, it's actually it's not very focused on publishing. There's only like a little bit on publishing. And Fresh Off the Boat is set in, like, the 1990s. So it's um, it's a little bit outdated, I guess. So maybe some of it is accurate or was accurate back then, but isn't so much now. Um, basically, Fresh Off the Boat is a show about this um, Taiwanese-American family, and they've moved to Florida um, away from, like, their Taiwanese family um, back somewhere. I can't remember where they come from. Another place, another state in America. Um, and they've moved to Florida, and they've started, like, this restaurant. And it's just, like, a sitcom about the family and being Taiwanese-American. Um, so the main character is Jessica Huang, um, and she's very, she's kind of like a, like a tiger mom um, in a lot of ways. Um, she's very intense. Um, and one of the things that she loves is she loves Stephen King and she loves like horror and mysteries. Um, so she decides she's going to write this book and it's called, um, a case of the knife to the brain. Um, and it's like, it's kind of like a murder mystery. So she writes it and she decides that she wants to get published. And the way she's going to do it is she's going to give the book to her husband, Louis Huang, and he's going to give it to um, Kenny Rogers, who is the partner at his restaurant. So, what is going, Sorry, the names you've been mentioning have been like making me like shook because I like one of my good friends in real life is named Jessica Huang. And then when you said Kenny Rogers, he's one of my mom's favorite like singers. So what's, I was just like, am I in a like, is this real life? be that kenny rogers i'm pretty sure oh okay um and i feel like huang is quite a common like taiwanese name it is yeah it's just like jessica huang with it together i was like oh my god okay <laughs> but yeah so um basically um kenny rogers gets the book and then he really likes it and he passes it on to his agent and then in the next episode jessica is working with editors so i don't i don't even know what happened there like in oh the middle gosh. Um, but she's working with editors. She has these editors, and she's editing her book to be published. Um, so it's not it's not very focused on publishing. Um, a couple of things that are kind of funny is that she after she publishes her book, it doesn't it doesn't do very well. So like on in the episode where it's published, she goes um, to the bookshop. And she's basically, like, having an event. She's having a signing. And her family are, like, they go there to surprise her. But there's, like, a huge line. There's a huge queue outside the bookshop. And the bookstore owner is, like, oh, like, you can't, we can't have any more people. And it turns out it's because um, the first Harry Potter book is being published. Oh, um, so everybody's, like, everybody wants to buy it. But I was thinking, like, was the first Harry Potter book that big? In America. I feel like, in America, was it? 
basically in the UK it was quite small and like um not that big but then she got a huge US deal with Scholastic for like a hundred thousand and so it was big immediately I think okay I guess that makes sense because I was like because I remember like hearing about how the first book was quite small but that must have been um like over here yeah yeah so basically Jessica doesn't sell any books um which is so she's very sad about that um, but it was really funny to me because in the episode before, she tries to get, like, a quote from Stephen King for her book. Um, and she ends up getting, like, a basically a restraining letter. But the restraining letter says um, Jessica is, like, scarier than any book that I could have written. And she puts that blurb, like, on her book. So I was like, so it's like a Stephen King blurb this book, technically. And... Jessica's book still didn't do very well. I feel like that's a bit unrealistic. <laughs> I don't know how big he was back then, because um, I wasn't really like I was kind of like a fetus. But um, nineteen nineties Stephen King would have been. I feel like he would have been pretty big back then. Okay, cool. I don't know how old he is. Um, I know that like, Carrie came out ages ago, but um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, uh, I feel like he would have still been really, really big back then. Wow. Yeah, and her publishing career, like, it just finishes very, very quickly because the episode after that, she's, like, doing other stuff, keeping busy because she doesn't want to think about the fact that she's failed as a writer. And then her book just, like, basically never comes up again. So, basically, she publishes the book. On the first day, she doesn't sell many copies. And then that's it. Wow. I mean, I feel like maybe some people are like that, but, like, I think it's public knowledge in the writing community that, like, you have to kind of keep on going regardless of what happens at first. Um, yeah, and I feel like you wouldn't you wouldn't feel it that much on, like, the first day of publication. Like, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be seeing, like, sales numbers and stuff, so you wouldn't know how well your book is selling. You'd only know, like, a few months after when you're yeah. apparently publishers tell you every six months what your royalty statement is so you wouldn't know for a while yeah i mean i guess that was why the whole harry potter thing was happening because she was sitting next to like she was seeing like stacks of the like philosopher's stone or the sorcerer's stone whatever um selling and then nobody was buying her book so it was supposed to be like everybody's buying jk rowling and nobody's buying jessica Huang. but oh my gosh they're two very different audiences okay so the next one I have, I might have to combine it with the other one I have because not much happens um, to do with books in 90210. It's quite a, a like a small storyline that happens at the very last season. Um, but Annie gets offered a book deal. Um, by the way, 90210... What's it about? So 90210 is about like these rich kids in like in America and at school and like them cheating with each other and stuff and like it's just it this is why i'm gonna combine it with gossip girl because they kind of have similar premises but one is better than the other but that's very controversial to say um but i know to one is about rich kids basically um and their lives and so in nano to in the last season um annie who's like a, the main character i guess she's like the the poor one but she's not really poor i guess um, I haven't watched it in a long time, so I'm probably like getting that part wrong. I don't know, but her house was big to me, so um, <laughs> and 
apparently they're, they're very like underprivileged because her brother her adopted brother is black and stuff and it's hard for her anyway <laughs> um i mean they're american right yeah i feel like any american house i see i'm like this is massive Exactly. I'm always like, you live in a mansion. Because, like, <laughs> one of my friends is American. Like, and I she. Did, like, the amount of money that my parents paid for, like, our house, and it's like a three bedroom, you could literally buy, like, a mansion with a pool with the same money in America. Yeah. Um, so basically, Annie gets a book deal for her, like, risky blog that she has. There's, like, a theme here. It's like a risky blog where she's exposing people um and she says can i be anonymous because i don't want my friends to be mad at me and they're like okay and then yeah her friends are angry but then her ex-boyfriend is like i hate you at first but then he proposes and that's how the the show ends um it's a really stupid show but yeah and then gossip girl which is also about rich kids but is actually good in my opinion um gossip girl is about like the, uh, the elite of like new york and there's a guy named Dan and he's like an outsider to it all. His parents um, have to, he lives in Brooklyn. Everybody else lives on the Upper East Side and his parents have to pay a lot out of their pocket to send him there. Like there's a lot of like lack of realism with that because he lives like in a very affluent area um, and his house definitely would be very costly. He's just like really poor in comparison to them. And so Dan, I'm sorry, this is a spoiler, is Gossip Girl. And basically, <laughs> Dan um, has been writing for years about his friends and their secrets and his sister as well. There's so many things that are so messed up about it that no one's talking about. Like, he writes about his sister losing his, her virginity, his sister getting almost raped and stuff. And I'm like, you're a very messed up guy. But when everybody finds out he's gossip girl, they're like, oh my God, you're so weird. And then they get married and everybody's happy. But basically, he gets a book deal. <laughs> Married. Gossip Girl gets married. Yeah, Dan, who's who is Gossip Girl. He gets married to the girl he's been talking about as Gossip Girl for years. That's so creepy. So creepy, but she's like, oh my god, so romantic. But basically, <laughs> Serena is annoying. Um, so romantic, being stalked and talked about anonymously. She's just she falls in love with a new guy every season. So, but anyway, <laughs> um, I wanted Dan and Blair to end up together, which is really controversial. But anyway. Dan basically writes a book randomly about like the Upper East Siders, um, like the rich kids and all his friends and family. And then he's like, I'm not going to publish this because it's too personal. Um, and then his friend Vanessa finds his book. Vanessa was so annoying. He, she finds his book hidden away and she goes and gets it published <laughs> for him. And he's like, no. And then he wants to pull it. And then his friends are like, we hate you anyway for writing it. And so he's like, okay, I might as well just like become rich. And so then he becomes like really rich and he's like now on their level somehow. So these people are like millionaires and billionaires and he now like becomes on their level from this one book. And oh my God, there's a scene where he hits the New York Times bestseller list, but he's only like number six. And like, he's so upset. He's like, I'm a failure. And his dad was like, I know, like it's only number six, but you know, you tried. And I'm like, he went on the New York Times bestseller list. Like, and the adult list is really hard to hit because they have the same books on there time and time again. Same with middle grade. Um, it's hard to push Harry Potter and and um, Percy Jackson off because they're always there. And also the Diary of the Wimpy Kid is always there. So like, I'm like, that's a really good achievement. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, he was he really upset. He failed. He only hit number six. Only number six. So sad. Um, and <laughs> actually, tried. all his friends, they read his book in a day. 
and his friends don't read books, um, but they read this book so they can know what he said about them. And his dad is really upset because he basically paints his dad as a whore. Um, his dad is like, I raised you better than this. <laughs> and Dan was like, I spoke the truth. <laughs> and I'm like, why do all these shows about rich people have the book deal be about like an expose of their lives? Like, is that even, is that even like interesting anymore? Is it unique? If that's all that's being published by rich people, because I don't care about them. If nothing cool happened. Yeah, I feel like it's so funny because the rich people really care about it, but I feel like literally nobody else would care. Like, I don't want to read about rich people. Right. I mean, only if it's done in a specific way, I guess. If, like, someone's murdered someone and it's someone I think about and care about, I guess. But if it's just literally their lives, oh, my God, they buy, like, designer bags and stuff and they sleep with each other's boyfriends and stuff. I don't care. I don't want to know. <laughs> So I'm confused as to why there's a market for this that's making him a millionaire. <laughs> and his book comes out like a few weeks after he gets a book deal. <laughs> um, and it's, and um, his literary agent is like his assistant. And he's like, she, she takes him to the bar and gives him alcohol and stuff to calm down. And like, um, also she calls him the next Keats. And um, Keats... What? what? I know she's like you're the next kids like you can't you can't throw this away and um he's like I know um but basically kids died when he was 25 and dad at this point is like 22 so I'm like she's trying to threaten to kill you um because he got published at the same age as kids it really is because like he's the same age as kids when he got published and so it's kind of like she's trying to tell you something (laughs) she wants to kill you he wrote he wrote poetry yeah where's the comparison coming from and dan never wrote poetry so i'm telling you she's trying to murder him but um (laughs) it was just so random and like stupid like i was like what is going on it's just yeah i'm just like this show i love it but like there was no sense in it but yeah that was the publishing story from Gossip Girl okay. and Nano to Wano. Will I go on to the next one? Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> you can jump in here. So um, so I'm going to talk about Jane the Virgin. So Jane the Virgin is about this girl called Jane, and she gets accidentally, artificially inseminated, um, and she's a virgin, um, and she gets pregnant. Um, and it's just, like, about her life and her family, and she's a writer. So... Um, there's a lot of publishing stuff in Jane the Virgin. There's one season where she, her book gets picked up by a publisher. Um, I actually don't remember a lot about that. I just remember her book published and it kind of tanked. Um, but I, I didn't feel like it was super inaccurate, um, all of that stuff. But the latest season where she writes her second book and she's trying to get an agent, is just hilarious like i was watching it and i was like i was just laughing at how wrong it was um so basically like jane writes this book and it's like about her life and everything that's happened to her and she decides she needs to get an agent so she has this mentor um who is like a creative writing professor so she used to work with her um and she writes a book and she sends it to her mentor who was going to send it to her friend who is an agent 
but then her friend passes so jane is really upset she's like her friend passed so now i have to go and i have to submit to other agents to try and get represented um first thing that she does is she starts printing out copies of her book to send to agents which we don't do anymore we have email i i i don't know i don't know any literary agency in the u.s who will take mail submissions well probably there's like a couple um but it's very very uncommon but jane was printing out so many copies of her book to send to these agents anyway um, and also you send a query letter first you don't just send your entire manuscript um and then she start get, starts getting a couple of rejections and just i just remember her having this conversation with like her mom and her dad and she's like I got, like, three rejections, and the next one, like, that's it. If the next person rejects me, I'm going to give up. <laughs> Actually, Adiba, how many rejections did you get? Um, For the Hen Awards, I think I sent out, like, 30 queries around that, and I got three requests, so all the rest were rejections. And then I queried before that another book, and I think I got, like, around 30 rejections for that, too with me so you got like 60 rejections i find it funny yeah with non-writers they're like oh you know jk rowling got 13 rejections so keep going and i'm just like your like your idea of like, publishing is so funny i've gotten <laughs> i want to say over 200 rejections over my time of like being a writer and like querying yeah so it's just funny that she was like oh my god the fourth one that's it <laughs> yeah she was like this is like my last chance I was just, it made me laugh. It was really, really funny. Um, and she gets, she gets rejected again. So before Jane gets rejected by Isabel Allende's agent, she decides that the reason why she's getting rejected is because her manuscript isn't even getting into the offices or to the tables of um, agents. She's just being rejected by assistants. Um, so... That is also, like, it's quite uncommon. Most literary agents, if you query them, they are reading your query. You know, like, I'm sure there are, even even if the assistants are reading queries, um, like, that's still okay because that's, they're, they're working for the literary agent. Um, but anyway, Jane decided that what she needed to do was she needed to sneak into the office of the literary agent and put her manuscript, her physical manuscript, onto the agent's desk. <laughs> um, which is, I, I don't even know how where to start on, like, why that's so wrong. When I was watching it, I was just like, what the hell's going on? And actually, you know the assistant thing? Most assistants for, like, literary agents, they kind of sort through the queries that are done wrong. So, like stuff where the agent does not represent this and you sent them the the manuscript anyway or the query anyway. So they kind of sort through things that are just like wrong, not um, the actual material. But sometimes they will or they will read it. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like most agents will read the query if you've sent it properly. Like yeah. they are the ones who are rejecting you or asking for more or whatever. Um I think one of the funny things about this is that most agents just, they don't read physical manuscripts. Like if you just go to their office and you put a manuscript on their table, they're not going to read that. Like that's so weird. 
like most read via like kindle or like on their laptop yeah and i'm like they will know if you've you've just sent a manuscript that they haven't requested yeah exactly like, they're not gonna be like oh here's a manuscript on my table clearly i'm meant to read this it's just so there was so many layers to that i was just so wrong and when she was sneaking in <laughs> through security and stuff i was like what the hell this is like a felony <laughs> She got Petra's kids involved as well. Oh, yeah. But then anyway, it was, it, it didn't lead to anything because Isabel and his agents rejected her. And then Jane was like, that's it. That was my final rejection. I'm not going to do anything else with this book. And she'd gotten like four rejections. And I was there like, I got four rejections on like my first day of querying, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... After that, she's given up querying. Uh, she's decided her book is not going to go anywhere. And she's in the hospital with Petra because her mom is, like, about to die or whatever. Um, and she gets this phone call, and Jane picks it up. Uh, it's an, I guess it's an unknown caller. She picks it up. She looks a bit confused, and she says hello. And then there's, like, a two-second silence, and she goes, Oh, my God. And there's, like, a little bit more of a silence. And she goes, thank you. And she hangs up the phone. She goes back to Petra. And Petra's like, what's going on? She's like, that was a literary agent and a big one. And she wants to represent me. Can you imagine if your agent was like that? That's just, like, I don't understand how, number one, it lasted so, like, like, it was such a short call. And also, why would an agent call you? I mean, without telling you that they're going to call you via email? How does she get your number? <laughs> so, so many, many answers. <laughs> so many questions unanswered. <laughs> um, so that was that was um, Jane's big story about her four rejections and one acceptance. Um, and then she she gets her agent and she goes to meet her, which also that that's really funny to me because Jane lives in like Miami, right? Yeah. Yeah, most agents are not going to be in Miami. Or editors. They're going to be in New York. Yeah. And surrounding areas. Like, yeah. So she, anyway, she goes to meet, meet her agent. And her agent tells her, um, she said, like, she's giving her editorial notes. And one of the editorial notes is something like, um, the crime subplot in your novel is not properly fulfilled. And Jane actually says, she's like, I want to end on, like, this happy, hopeful note. And her agent says, yeah, I get that, but no, that's not going to work. And in my head, I was watching that, and I was like, see, Jane, this is why you need a longer call when an agent calls to offer you representation, because your agent just can't be like, actually change all of this, because I don't like it. Like, <laughs> editorial is back and forth. Your agent just doesn't just get to say, change this, because I don't like it. Like, it's your book at the end of the day. You get input. Exactly, like, it was more like, um so i know what i'm doing and you should like listen to me that was kind of like how it, the vibe was <laughs> yeah basically it was so weird but her a- her agent all i could think when she came on the screen was oh my god this is the girl from umbrella academy <laughs> actually i think i thought that too <laughs> actually i think i was shook because i was like oh my god her agent is like is black oh yeah because there's not many black agents so it was just like this is real realistic no, it's really not. Agent is in Miami and she's black. That's a lot. That's a stretch. <laughs> it seriously is. Um, but 
But like the way editorial notes usually work, or how it's worked for me anyway, is like your agent or your editor will suggest um, ways you can improve your book. And my agent and editor have always kind of said, we can brainstorm together, we can discuss it. If you don't agree, we can talk about it. Um, usually, I do agree with their editorial notes because they have a really good editorial eye. But I always know that if I disagree with it, we can talk about it and we can discuss our options. It's never like, this is how it is and this is what you need to change. Like, it's never like that. Yeah, like it's always... Um, they always emphasize at the end of the day, this is your book. Yeah. And like, that's how your agent and editor should be because it's your vision and your, all of your visions need to match. That's how you know that you're a good like team. You're working together to make the best book that you can. Yeah, exactly. So basically Jane should have talked about this when her agent called to make that offer. Cause that's when you talk editorial notes first before you agree to be represented. Well, she was just like, oh my god, thank you, and that was it. <laughs> they didn't even talk about, like, the contract or anything. They talked about nothing. And I just don't understand why they were talking on the phone. Like, that's the part I'm like, what was happening? Like, why are you talking on the phone about this? <laughs> oh. Um, after she gets her agent, she goes... Does, does her agent tell her anything about, like, going on submission? I feel like she's just on submission one day. Yeah. She tells her, like, oh, you're on submission, and that was it, I think. Yeah, and then she's like, keep your phone closed because we're going on auction. Oh, yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, she tells her, she just tells her, we're going to try and get an auction out of this. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, Jane turns out, she, she gets an offer, and then she turns it down. It was an offer for, like, 25, or 20K or 25K or something, and Jane was like, oh, maybe I can go bigger. And then her agent is like, we're going to try and go on auction. She said she wants to start an auction, right? Yeah, I think so. I said auctions automatically start once you have a second de- um, sorry, second offer. Uh-huh. So how do you, like, stage one? <laughs> I, you know who we should ask. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So after that, she's on auction. Um, her agent says to her keep her phone close because we're going on auction and Jane puts her phone on the table and she and Raph are like sitting on the couch they're really nervous um and then her phone buzzes and she picks it up and she's like the first offer is at 10,000 and she puts it down um and it's like there's like a pause and Raph says 10,000 is really good um and then her phone buzzes again she picks it up and it's like 20,000 and basically (laughs) it keeps happening and it's like like a five or ten minute auction and she keeps just getting like all of the these offers um we don't know like who the publishers are we don't know like who the editors are we don't know anything we just know the amount of money um and then the the auction closes and she gets like i think it's five hundred thousand is the biggest offer um and her agent is like the final offer is five hundred thousand and Jane and Raph are super happy, etc. And that's the end of the auction. It just makes zero sense. I was like, because basically, I have a lot of friends who've gotten like quite big book deals and also have gone to auction. Um, and an auction in publishing is basically like when 
publishers are fighting to publish a book and pay for it so they're like going higher and higher and so I have friends that have had auctions and they usually last like anywhere between I don't know a few days to like a few weeks um but James was like 10 minutes like you can talk to the editors and yeah you can turn down the biggest offer if you feel like you and the editor don't have like the same vision or you won't work well together like it is at the end of the day your decision you don't have to take the highest bid and actually a lot of people don't take the highest bid because um the relationship you have with um the editor is the most important thing um but also like when they make offers they have to speak to marketing each time and like they have to go to their team each time and be like, okay, I want to go higher because this person has gone higher and stuff. So like, they don't just go, <laughs> and they just like try and outbid each other. Like, you know, like in those, like, um, you know, you put your your hand up or something. Like you hold up a board and say 10,000, 20,000. <laughs> so that was just weird. I thought it was hilarious. But I've never heard of an auction lasting 10 minutes. <laughs> minutes it was shorter than that it felt short like it was really like it was just it made no sense <laughs> um was there anything else in jane the virgin I yes think that was kind of the oh was there yeah her dad <laughs> paying for her to get her book published and her not knowing oh yeah yeah that was awful <laughs> um yeah. yeah and then also oh one thing that was realistic about Jane the Virgin, like, publishing arc to it, um, was every time Jane would mention how hard it is for women of colour and, like, bring up statistics. Yeah, that's true. That was always quite realistic. But then, I thought it was funny because when she goes on sub with her second book, like, her first book never comes up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, when you debut... I don't want to say that it like ruins your track record if you do very badly but like if you have a history of not selling well it affects everything else afterwards it doesn't mean you won't get a big deal ever again or any deal it just means that um they now have something to base it off of so when you're a debut um they predict how much they think you can make but after you've already had a book come out they'll look at how much you have made and then give you the money that they think you'll make again so yeah yeah but it just it never comes up for jane and she gets like a five hundred thousand dollar deal that's a major deal (laughs) um is that everything about jane the virgin i think so yeah i actually have i like while we were talking i thought of another show um have you ever um, watched unbreakable kimmy schmidt yeah i did watch it do you remember the book deal um (laughs) at the end Oh, is that, is that Kimmy? She gets a book deal. Yeah. I actually, you know, I have a really bad memory. Okay. So I this, kind of vaguely remember it. I haven't, re- I haven't watched it to the end because I found the show really annoying. I actually saw Titus when I was in New York. Um, oh, that's so random. He was walking, holding his boyfriend's hand. And then I, I locked eyes on him and I was like, you look famous. Why are you famous? I was in, I was in Gay Street. <laughs> And then he kind of looked at me like, don't you dare come up to me. Like, <laughs> I'm not I'm not signing autographs. I'm not taking pictures today. Don't you dare. And then I realized, oh my God, it's Titus. And he saw my face like kind of like widen. Um, but I didn't go up to him. Um, 
<laughs> but anyway, um, in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I remember my baby sister loves the show. She's rewatching it for some reason because it sucks. Anyway, um, but her taste is awful. But basically, she. Um, so, in the end of Kimmy Schmidt, Kimmy is like, I want to write the book about me being um, a like a bunker girl, like a girl that was like in a cult and like kidnapped and stuff. Um, and then someone else is like, oh, that's so like four years ago. Like no one cares about that anymore. <laughs> like people are going through worse now. <laughs> and then she was like, oh crap. And then she self publishes a book that is like about a nonsense world. And it's kind of like a fantasy book about like a made up nonsense world. And it's just so weird. And basically she publishes it, like self publishes it. And then um, throughout the episode, her website is down. She's like, oh, my website's down. I can't even show people my book. And then um, we find out that her book is like, the reason why her website is down is because her book has exploded. And it's like popular amongst college kids. So everybody's buying her book and she becomes a millionaire and they open a, like a theme park for her book. And I feel like we both don't like do self-publishing, but maybe you know more about self-publishing that you can tell me if that's realistic. I feel like it's not realistic. Okay. Because, I mean, obviously, like, a lot of self-published books do get really big. Um, but there's probably, like, a lot of marketing that goes into it um, that you need to do yourself. And, like, what's a, what book has a theme part? Um, Harry Potter. Yeah, other than Harry Potter. Yeah, like, I don't think it happens ever. <laughs> no. Even, I think, if there is, like, a theme park element, it would be maybe one thing. Like, I'm sure... I don't know about it because I don't look at theme parks, but I'm sure Stephen King has maybe a ride after his book or something. But not a whole theme maybe. park. Yeah. But, yeah, that just seems really unrealistic. Um, I was happy for her to have, like, a happy ending because he's been through a lot. But... Yeah. Yeah, that was just really, really weird. <laughs> you had a bonus show as well yes i have a bonus show it's a k-drama oh by the way kimmy schmidt is about a girl named kimmy and at the beginning of the of the season she basically um finds out that so basically she was um kidnapped and put in a cult when she was 15 and now she's 30 and so she's been in the cult underground for 15 years um and basically she and she was told by the cult leader that the world ended and that it ended because women are stupid and um that's the reason what the world ended and kimmy throughout is not buying it but the other girls are kind of like they've been traumatized and they believe it and it's awful but then um they come out of the bunker and she has to kind of adapt to human life like regular human life and like um she moves to new york she wasn't originally from there but she wants to have a new like fresh start and like be happy and like live a like full life because she's been there since she was 15 so yeah that's what kimmy schmidt is about but it's a comedy apparently um (laughs) and then the bonus thing i had is called kill me heal me which is a k-drama a korean drama about mental health and it's about a, a rich heiress and he has something called did which I can't remember what it stands for, but it's basically like um, having a split mind. So I think it's like multiple personalities. And basically um, it comes about a lot of the time because of childhood trauma. And so he has a lot of trauma from his childhood, which has caused like this to happen. Anyway, um, in the story, um, his love interest and also um, the other main character is named Origin. 
and basically origin's older brother um which is called who is called orion he's an author or a writer and um he's like he's like a renowned writer but he like writes under a pseudonym called omega and um he's like famous and best-selling but no one knows who he is and the big mystery is what's he gonna write next who is he and so she's always constantly threatening him i'm gonna tell everybody your identity and they're gonna kill you um but basically why would they kill him because i guess a lot of fangirls apparently um why would the fangirls kill him they kill him with like love Oh, okay. <laughs> like one time they're in the airport and she just starts shouting, "My brother is Omega," and like he like covers her mouth and stuff. And I'm like, this is so like <laughs> unrealistic. But basically, throughout he's trying to write also another expose about like the ri- the super rich and famous. Um, and so he does a lot of research into rich famous like families, such as the heiress who we're seeing and stuff, and uncovers so many secrets. And you're wondering why he's really doing this, what's going on. There may be a missing baby from that family. It may be one of the twins. We don't know who it is. But if it's one of the twins, does that mean there's there's incest? Like, what's going on? Anyway, (laughs) it was really, like, fun. And, like, the publishing part was just stupid. Like, it was... I don't really know many authors who are allowed to just have, like, no name. Like, you can have a pseudonym. But especially in this day and age, I don't... Like, there was... Eleanor Ferrante. Oh, who's that? Um, she wrote she she wrote a lot of books. Um, can't remember the name for really famous one now, but she was basically this author who got really big a couple years ago, and Eleanor Ferrante was her um like pen name, and nobody knew who she actually was. Okay. Um, and then somebody leaked it, and it was like kind of a controversy because she hadn't wanted it to be leaked. But do you feel like yeah. we can have that happen in the in like the social media age now? I think you can if you are a really private person. You can do it. Okay. I mean, Ellen Friend it literally happened like a couple years ago. So it's very recent. Wow, that's really cool. I've been when I watched Kill Me Heal Me, I was like, can I do that? Um, but then, <laughs> no, I can't, apparently. <laughs> they already know who you are. I know. Awful. But, like, um, yeah. So, actually, you know The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo? Yeah. I thought, like, she was an anonymous person and her book, like, her book wasn't called Poet X. I thought that she was Poet X. So I was like, oh, my God, anonymous author. And then everybody kept calling her Elizabeth Acevedo, and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I didn't read the text you below. Know who she is? I know who she is now. <laughs> I didn't notice her name was there. So I was like, put X. Oh my God. <laughs> Actually, you know the person um, that wrote Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. She says that she's so happy to look so normal because she's so rich. She, she was saying how she has so many homes in different countries and stuff. And she's so rich and wealthy. But like no one knows because she looks like, an, like a, I don't know, like a very sweet, like, middle-aged lady that's kind of like just doing the shopping for groceries as she said no one really like recognizes her so um she's kind of anonymous okay (laughs) you know who she is how can she be anonymous i mean if you google and say what does she look like you'll see it but i mean like no one expects like you know how you see other authors like whenever i go out i was like at bookcon and stuff there were some authors who like someone would say oh is that an author and i'd be like i don't know they kind of look like they're they're just a person walking around but then other authors either you would see them with like a group of people surrounding them as in like an army of like security guards and like publicists and like 
assistants or I just recognize them from Twitter. Um, but then some authors How look... How you see at Yauk surrounded by an army of security guards? N- no one other than Jason Momoa. <laughs> <laughs> but he looked like he was I their was security like, guard. Did they go in the same event? <laughs> no, no. This was BookCon. <laughs> Oh, okay. Who was, who was there surrounded by security guards? I don't know if it was security or just, like, maybe other authors that I just thought were security. <laughs> but I saw... I think I saw Jenny Han. I saw... I was, I was starstruck. Because I was, like, basically, apparently I accidentally walked into an area where all the authors hang. Okay. I was just hiding from everyone because I was having a panic attack. And then I looked up and there was, like, Jenny Han walking. There was, like... Renee RDA there was like just different people I don't know if I'm like making this up because like um I'm mixing up with whether I saw Renee at Yalk or Bookon maybe I saw her at both I saw Zoraida um you definitely okay you definitely saw Renee at Yalk because we were on the lift together and you went and said something to her oh my god I remember we were on the lift together and I was so like we were just standing in silence because <laughs> <laughs> you were freaking out because you wanted to talk to her and you were like go talk to her and you were too nervous and you were like you have to leave killed me yet but anyway <laughs> um you should probably leave people to like go back to whatever they were doing before they stumbled upon this but basically um yeah so thank you for joining me today i hope you guys learned something new um and i hope okay, you... i want to say something okay go on go on tell people things well, actually i want to say it to you i guess say something right i just had an idea from this podcast, which is why aren't we writing exposés about rich people? You're so right, but what rich people do you know? I don't know any rich people, so I guess. So how can you do it? People. We need to find some rich people and then we need to expose them. Okay, we'll do that. Twenty twenty goals. Okay. okay. I mean, clearly well, there's money in that. Seen... Sorry. There's clearly money in that, so. There is, and you saw all of these apparently rich and famous authors at BookCon surrounded by their army of security guards, so... You know what? I'm an unreliable source because I was having a panic attack and I saw <laughs> authors in my peripheral vision. Um, yeah. I feel like you were like having a panic attack and you just started hallucinating like famous authors. I saw them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise. I saw someone. <laughs> okay. If you say so. I do say so. I saw people. When book one was really traumatic because, like, just Lizelle was there. She knows. I was traumatized. Anyway, um, do you have anything else to say? No, I think that's it. Okay. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everyone learn something about publishing and like the myths that there that exist in shows and i hope you watch some of them some of them are really trash and like awful um others might be okay so yeah um thank you for joining me today adiba thank you for having me um where can everybody find you on social media um i have a website which is adibajagardar.com on twitter i'm at adiba underscore j and on Instagram, I'm at dibs, D-I-A-B-S underscore J. Thank you. Um, any last words? No. Look out for my expose on rich people.
coming sometime in the near future. Thank you.